A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I want to walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. But you don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I managed to stay alive for six and a half years. I'd say it to your face, and I'll say it to you now. I'm down Twanfield, and we'll see them up. What you doing down here, you shawnee man? In late December, Arsenal's title challenge suffered a major blow when they were beaten 2-0 at home by West Ham. A miserable experience for Declan Rice, compounded in the final minute of injury time when he gave away a penalty in front of the away supporters, who seemed to take quite a bit of enjoyment in the discomfort of their former player. But Declan Rice is not a man to bear grudges, certainly not against fans of the club where he made his name. And so when he fired in the final goal of a six-goal rout in the return fixture yesterday... He did what all professional footballers are morally obliged to do when they score a goal against their old team. He respectfully placed his arms out in front of him, palms to the floor in apology, before patting his chest in acknowledgement of the awfulness of the act he had just committed and politely ushering away any of his teammates who had the harebrained idea that he might want to actually celebrate this moment. Welcome to Monday Second Camps Football Podcast. Hi, guys. Hey, Owen. How's it going? You, I'm sure. Uh, hey, Ken. Owen, how are you? I'm sure I'm not. I didn't know you were. Didn't know you're a West Ham fan, Ken. <laughs> seemed very, seemed very downbeat. Today. For the, for the, oh, there we go. His seat was very high. Was there some? Who was sitting in the seat? <laughs> that's neither here nor there. You won't. Be Simon. Su- Simon was. Sitting it was there. Simon actually. It yeah, was yeah, Simon. That's okay. You won't be surprised to hear I had a few emails in on this very subject. Well, uh, did any of them mention Ireland against England in the Nations League? I've got a call here that says you're the most boring, predictable, condescending interviewer around. Go back to lecturing. You have the charisma of a sick bag. Oh, God. That's just it. I just Whoa. mentioned, not you, no me. Okay, ain't nobody fucking with my click. Click, 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 click. Ain't nobody fresher than my mom. We don't normally click, broadcast all click, the, the stuff that click, comes from scum click, around the country. Click. Yeah, they all mentioned that. 
hypothetical what might happen oh, okay. they're all basically the same email this is like this one from <laughs> Kevin Comer hey, I'm just after watching Declan Rice's Screamer and subsequent non-celebration celebration will he afford us the same respect in inverted commas when the Nations League game comes around later this year should he score followed with a dull full TV interview there can't be many non-celebration celebrations on the international stage and even though as an Irish fan it would push me to despair on the other hand I would love to see Declan's brain splinter into four different directions <laughs> unsure as to how best to react without offending anyone with his people pleasing tendencies <laughs> <laughs> we'll celebrate the goal but then maybe reprise some old Instagram uh, stories <laughs> later on you know some, some from like the 2018 2019 time you know yeah. Times an Ireland youth player, maybe. I don't. I don't. I don't know how he would react. I mean, did Alfredo De Stefano non celebrate a goal against uh, Barcelona? It was hard to tell. No, back Arch- then. He was celebrations were so then, they were so muted in those days. It's hard to tell whether yeah, people yeah. were celebrating he or weren't celebrating. He just dolefully shook, shook hands, teammates as he always did, busted yeah, delightedly. Exactly. We are talking Bundesliga today with Archie Rin Tut after Bayer Leverkusen hammered Bayern Munich to go five points clear at the top and cement the name of Xabi Alonso at the top of every Liverpool fan's new wish list for a manager. Checking out the Champions League knockouts. Checking... I don't know what was going on there. I was Go on, to say, the Champions League knockouts, but I was also saying secondcaptains.com. Wow. Checking captains? Wow. The Champions League knockouts begin Do you think week. we should rename the podcast that for Champions League week? Possibly, yeah. For full coverage on the World Service. Become a member today. Secondcaps.com. Five euro a month was fat. Report on Sport Peace Ken. Yeah, it was uh, it was amazing stuff from old Harvey Dent, uh Dr. Rice. <laughs> uh at the it, you know, it, it was one of the standout performances of the season. Individual, you mean? Yeah. By him. Yeah, yeah he was absolutely incredible. Now, some would say that West Ham didn't have their best day. Mm. Uh, they were 4-0 down at half-time. The stadium emptied out at half-time. Uh, they, they didn't run... A, they, they weren't really running. I mean, just look at them. The, 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 they're just sort of like, OK, this, please just blow this up. Please stop this. And uh, Declan... But, you know, a lot of it had to do with the fact that Declan Rice had really smashed them in the first half and showing off his new... Uh, his uh, harpooning his uh, dead balls into the... There's an image yeah, into the <laughs> into, into the area. <laughs> into real, what area? I do not want to know. Uh, Frank Lampard like um, set pieces and shooting from downtown, and then obviously, well, not Frank Lampard like uh, celebration. Frank Lampard used to uh, also a former West Ham man and Chelsea supporter. Uh, used to take great pleasure in scoring against West Ham. Yeah, it was probably didn't my favorite care who knew it. Yeah, my favorite part of Frank Lambert's career was him rubbing <laughs> West Ham's noses in every yeah. bit of success that he had after oh. he left. It, w- it was much better. Like, I mean, okay, you know, there was the whole maybe there was some toxic elements to the Lampard West Ham story. Them cheering him as he was stretched off with a che- or cheering as he was stretched off with a broken leg uh, was a low point. Um, Screaming at the young man about how much extra weight he was carrying, as for the, this is his own fans, mm. not the, the they were not his opposing fans at the time. So these types of things, you know, right, so we remember the Harry Redknapp having to stick up for him. Mm. Yeah, he's gone right to the very top. Whereas Declan Rice, you know, obviously he led West Ham to a European trophy in his last game. You know, he he um, you know he fulfilled his obligations to them. It was a it was a good story. They got a big fee for him. He was kind enough to give them a penalty uh, in that game that you mentioned, which though. was missed, by the way. That was that would have been three 0 if that had been scored. But even then, I just what I remember is 
the West Ham fans, the away fans, just absolutely breaking their shite laughing, as you would at Declan Rice, their former player, and him trudging off after giving away the penalty. I think it was one of those ones you have to give away kind of thing. The player was through on goal or whatever. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm the player at the receiving end of that stuff, surely I'm just waiting to score a goal against these guys and I'm going to wheel off in celebration. But, no. People please. No. As yeah, he, really, he really is. No, I, I assume that if he does score for England against Ireland, then he will extend the same courtesy to us. I should hope so. I'm trying to figure out which one of them would annoy me more. The non-celebration celebration against us actually would annoy it, me it's more. more yeah, I, see, I, I think it's more annoying. It is more. Oh, I, I mean, I, like there is actually a third way here, you which know, is? which is to celebrate the goal, but not like knee slide into the corner flag. As in like, like just tone it down like just give us like 4 out of 10 it doesn't have to be 10 out of 10 it doesn't have to be 0 out of 10 it was the, it was the fulsomeness of the non celebration oh, that was so it was disgraceful it was a disgusting scene it was a, it was a vile disgusting act it's one of the he keeps mo- doing it it's a disgrace it's one of the worst things i've ever seen on a football field however it was a fine performance <laughs> a very fine performance uh in a, in a very fine team I think you've covered that I think you've already said that. You, can we move on please they were feasting on West Ham they were or if they fe- feasted <laughs> on the carcass of West Ham um, we smell blood and went for the kill said Bukayo Saka doesn't sound like he's quoting the bible there uh, this is this is the ruthlessness that Arsenal showed towards well, of course West Ham did beat them recently as David Moyes pointed out twice they beat them in the cup as well didn't they? you know and, and you know it, <laughs> Moyes is in the, the position of there's some there's some cliches that you shouldn't use after a 6-0 defeat and one of them is if you'd offered me yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it was, it was <laughs> I was like there aren't many roads for him to go down here yeah if you'd, if you'd offered me two wins out of three basically I, w- I would have shaken your hand and said thanks very much said the manager after a 6-0 <laughs> defeat which was which equaled their record home defeat in their history yeah. <laughs> and was Arsenal's biggest Premier League away win and you know looking really good so strong through the middle you know, Gabriel's getting his head on a lot of stuff now. Um, Rice, obviously, um, uh, just so dominant. They're set piece monsters. It's hilarious. Yeah, Odegaard looking so just so beautiful, just uh, gliding around, damming at the ball with his little left foot. Uh, Trossard was playing centre forward, and I think is their best option there if, if Gabriel Jesus isn't playing. Maybe even if Gabriel Jesus mm. is available. Um, but really, Rice was an absolute... Um, sorry, am I going on about this guy all the time? Declan Rice. He was... Well, you love him. We know that. He... What well, was impressive, you know, you know when they when they beat Liverpool, um, was it just last week? Um, was the kind of physical superiority they had, which is not what you would... Not what you've seen in the in the pattern of those games in the past. That's changed now. That's where, that's where they're at now. And it's Rice who's really made the difference. So it is... Uh, it was a huge win. And they look... Really rejuvenated by the break. I mean, remember they lost three in a row going into the break, and since then it's they've won every match. Um, West Ham seemed to. It's funny with, with Moyes, you know, considering what a great manager he has really been for West Ham. I think, I think it's fair to say that. We're well, preaching to the choir here, but West Ham fans don't want to hear it. Yeah, well, that's, that is interesting, though, isn't it? Like, how little credit you actually have in the bank for, like completely stabilizing and sorting out and turning the, the club into like a pretty good team and winning a trophy and okay 62,000 people at the game yesterday I mean I was it was just one of those I mean they get huge crowds all the time yeah, they've which got a big stadium is, but like 62,000 people 
is incredible. Well, there are only about 25,000 left after half time. That's true. Well, nevertheless, but they still paid their ticket. They just, you know, still bought, bought their ticket. Do you know what it is with Moyes, I think, is, well, it's pretty obvious, I suppose, in that they, they, they brought him in the first time, right? And he kept them up, no problems, very comfortably. Would have expected to get a long contra- contract at that stage, but didn't. They brought in Pellegrini, was it? Um, yeah, it was, and it was so. very much this: like, we're moving up in the world. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're better Moyes. dealing. We're you. better than Moyes. Moyes, Moyes they were almost present Moyes as the big Sam rescuing the uh, club in relegation trouble figure. But now we're going up to Pellegrini. That falls flat on his face. They eventually go back to Moyes. So fans are in their head are like, okay, we're moving on from Moyes, and it's like we're literally going back to not just to David Moyes football, but to David Moyes. Mm-hmm. So he was starting on a a bit of a downer. Then he is a bit of an anachronism in the way he thinks about the game and yeah. how it's played. It mightn't be. Might be the most pleasing on the eye to a lot of people, but I totally agree with you. They've 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 had a huge amount of success relative to where they were in the number of years before that. So I don't understand how that hasn't actually the view. The basic underlying view doesn't seem to have changed among most West Ham fans that they don't really want them. Yeah, I, I of course we're talking now after a six 0 defeat. Where yeah, okay, they, the they six emboldened. Six defeat is, is pretty is is bad, but it it sort of it seems to flip pretty quickly on on Moyes. Um, I mean, I think what he's done this season uh, with the team has been really good. I mean, okay, you can you could say the style of play is a bit like no, no one else in the league really is playing like West Ham in terms of the, their style of play. It does look a bit old fashioned. It's like one of these sit back and hit on the counter rather than one of these like the the more modern like uh, sort of deserve thing. We're going to try and counterattack, but we're going to do it from our own attacks. You know, they, this, but this they, they, they tried to change a couple of years ago. I heard Mick and Antonio talking about this. I've mentioned his podcast a few times with Callum Wilson. Oh, yeah. It was really it was actually very interesting because he was talking about how whatever big they had to finish sixth or seventh one season. And they were all, they were talking about Champions League. We're going to, uh, internally, you know, we're going to try and qualify for the Champions League next year and we have to change the style of play. And they brought in players to do that and they changed their style. And it just totally, they nearly got relegated. Hmm. Um, so by the end of that season, they'd obviously changed back and then uh, doubled down on the old counter-attacking. So I, w- I don't think Moyes gets credit. Is it even credit for trying to change it? Realising this isn't working and now going back to Moyes' ball. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, what I what I think he he did well this season, particularly, is the transfers. Like when Rice left, obviously, this is going to be how do you replace this guy? Um, he did it by spending the money basically on three players who did really well. Now Edson Alvarez got taken over at halftime yesterday. Actually, I'm, or I'm not sure if he was injured or had just played terribly. Uh, I mean, he obviously wasn't the only West Ham player. I mean, the, the worst moment of the game almost was the. The ridiculous challenge by Ariola on Saka for the penalty. It's just like, what are you doing? You know, he just sort of he, he just sort of lumbered out like a zombie. You know, there wasn't any sort of sense of I'm going to try and get the ball here. It was just like, oh no, Saka's in. I suppose I better, you know, <laughs> pretend to put in a challenge here and just gives away a penalty. Um, but I'm sorry, I was getting back to what, what he's done well. I think to bring in Kudus Alvarez, Ward Prowse, and the centre back uh, Mavropanos. This has this has really improved West Ham from a point where they were they were losing Rice and you kind of thought, well, is, are they going to fall apart a little bit? And the way the season has been going, they've had some really big wins. They're, they're doing quite well in the league. They're obviously still in Europe. Um, yeah, it doesn't really count for much when people basically think that what you're doing is futureless. The more recent signing they made is Calvin Phillips. Uh, obviously, he's only a loan signing. He didn't start the game yesterday. He did have an interesting interview. Um, I saw David Heitner did a piece of them in The Guardian um, where he talked a little bit about 
you know, a famous, probably the most famous instance of his career since he left Leeds United, which was when Pep Guardiola said he was fat. Uh, he said, so I think the question he was being asked was, uh, what was the toughest moment, you know, of this kind of, he, play, he, he went, he signed a six-year contract at Man City and started six games. You know, it's like, oh God, uh, he, yeah, that's all competitions. Like, I mean, wow. yeah, it's just a total mess, really. Like his career. Even when you're not making the League Cup team at Man City. I know. And Pep, uh, after the World Cup, this is Philip talking, after the World Cup was probably the toughest when Pep came out and said I was overweight. He was right to do so. But there are different ways to go about it. <laughs> I did not disagree with him. But obviously, I took a big knock on my confidence how I felt at City. My family were not happy about it either, especially my mother. <laughs> he said, uh, so basically, he kind of explains what happened there. That after the World Cup, remember, obviously, the World Cup was just um, uh, ending shortly before Christmas. England got England made it to the quarterfinals. Uh, according to Phillips, he'd been given a post-World Cup return date in December 2022 by the city staff. He was always going to come in before them because he had barely played during the first half of the season due to a shoulder injury. But Guardiola wanted him to report immediately after the tournament in order to be involved in City's friendlies before the domestic restart. He says, I never got that information because if he asked me to have been there, I would have been there. It was just a misunderstanding. I think he was very frustrated with me coming back 1.5 kilos over my weight target. 1.5 kilos. Not uh, massive? I mean, not really, but I suppose it is a little... It's 1.5 kilos over, you know. That's a, mm. um, but yeah, but the, the interesting thing about this also is that he... So he, he talks about another couple of uh, moments. Uh, one of them, uh, he expected to start against Burnley in the FA Cup uh, in March, only to be taken into a room by Guardiola, told otherwise. Then there was the league game against Leicester in April when he was partly fought for the goal. City conceded in 3-1 win. I just felt shit. It was probably the low point confidence-wise. I spoke to Bielsa afterwards, his his former manager. Mm-hmm. He called me back via translator. We had a conversation for around half an hour. He said he'd watched every game I'd been involved in since I moved from Leeds. And he told me what I thought I should do to become the player I was at Leeds. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> I wonder, did he watch all the games in between Did, yeah. getting the original call and calling back? I I presume so. I suppose, to be fair, there weren't that many games. Yeah. That's the thing about it. I you mean, know? yeah. So if, there weren't a huge number of matches to catch up on there. But, uh, yeah, it seemed like a remarkable uh, detail from uh, Bielsa. Anyway, what else is going on yesterday? Oh, Man United, who, you know, say what you like about Man United, they like playing against Aston Villa. And... Gareth Southgate was there getting booed. I don't know if you saw that on. He got booed? Yeah, he was booed when he appeared on the big screen. Oh, no, I missed that. Why? Because of his mistreatment of Ollie Watkins? I think so. I think uh, it may be Ollie Watkins. Um, it's just, I think it's because he, you know, everyone thinks he's he's got his favourites and he's just, he's just showing his face here. Maybe, maybe he's here to see Maguire. We all know that Hen, it's all about Hendo, you know? Hendo. It's like Joe Biden 2024. Uh, Jordan Henderson going to the Euros. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Run it back one more time. <laughs> are, are we are we seriously still doing this? Yes, the answer is uh, Hendo losing three uh, two to Heronvain Frykes uh, over the weekend. Mm. But um, you know, listen, Ajax is an oil tanker. You don't turn around an oil tanker. <laughs> 
in that short a space of time. Um, knows that. Instead, it was a it was a Rasmus Rasmataz Highland scoring. Is it six matches in a row or six out of seven? I think it's six. It's uh, all of them in a row anyway. So I think it's six in a row. It's yeah. Which is, pr- six which is pretty good. I mean, he recently celebrated his birthday. He's feeling good about things. Mm. Um, and Scott McTominay, big Scott McTominay, whose goals have been worth 30% of Manchester United's Premier League points this season. That's amazing. It's contract renegotiation time soon, Owen. Maybe is the he, guy he, who, He's pulling a Mark Viduca, is he? He could be pulling a Leo Messi with this. With this <laughs> pulling a Jorge Messi. Uh, my my client, uh, McTominay, has, has, is responsible for 30% of your points. So our starting yeah. uh, is... It's 30% is, of your wage 30% bill. of the turnover. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll take that as a, as a baseline for negotiations. There was also this incident with um, Douglas Louise, um, old smoky-eyed Douglas Louise, who scored a nice goal. Uh, and then proceeded to do a little love it. <laughs> yeah, love it. There's enough to no. Listen, it was it was after Declan Rice. It was the most exactly. disgusting thing I saw on a no, football field no, this weekend. No, celebrating a goal is what it's all about. Mm. It was a nice. It was, I mean, I haven't seen anyone do that before. I don't think the closest thing, the thing it immediately reminded me of was Mar- Emiliano Martinez actually also yeah. against Man United to the Stratford end when uh, Bruno Fernandez missed that penalty. Remember the one where he was pointing at <laughs> oh, Ronaldo, yeah. saying you should take it, and then he turned he turned around when the ball went over into the little yeah. <laughs> to the Stratford. Well, it was end. very Alan Pardew esque, wasn't it? Yeah, well, that's that. That was a comparison that seemed to occur to a lot of Manchester United fans when Douglas mm. Louise, uh, first of all, missed a sitter to make it two one, and then, of course, had to watch Scott McTominay, mm. uh, the war bison, uh, <laughs> flying through the air to connect with the Diogo Dallo's uh, cross. Tend to do that as well, don't they? Hey, well, it Fly depends on the through the air. Depends on the speed, <laughs> and he certainly he butted it. Uh, he did. <laughs> he butted that uh, into the. It was a great uh, finish. So. Um, Tremendous stuff, Manchester United, reading Aston Villa in. The goal difference is zero. They're just doing it in a way which is very in balance with the universe. It's just such a sustainable model. Mm. Like zero zero emissions. You know? <laughs> <laughs> zero goal emissions. Yeah. <laughs> not, a, not a goal to be wasted. It's, yeah, it's, it's They're so, aiming it's for so a efficient. net zero season. <laughs> They're goal neutral. They are goal neutral. Yeah. Net zero, goal but neutral. Top, top four. You know, just to show that it, it can be done. It can be done, yeah. So uh, it's been, it's been uh, good. unbeaten in 2024. You know, the last yeah. time Manchester United lost a football match was in 2023. Uh, in a previous year. And, uh, and that is... Think about that for a second, Don. A lot's changed. What else? Uh, I see Roberto de Cromwell left Evan Ferguson on the bench again <laughs> for bringing him on just in time to lose. Uh, he seems in, really in love with this Joao Pedro guy. Yeah. Well, I was looking at the... Uh, well, Pedro wasn't playing on uh, Saturday. But it, yeah, it was well back. There was a penalty given, and I was like, oh, great, Pedro, yeah, Pedro. An, notches another one up. But well, it was Pascal, Pascal Gross taking it. Joe Pedro. Yeah. Well, old uh, Joe Pedro, Pedro, he'd want to get uh, moving up that um, NP XG minus G chart because he's right down there. <laughs> he's knocking around down the bottom with uh, DCL and Darwin Nunez. Darwin Nunez, is he? Joe Pedro is. Joe Pedro's down there, yeah. Big wow. time. Big time. Uh, Timo Werner? How, he's, Timo has hardly lifted himself uh, out of the relegation t- zone Timo, Timo Werner has only been back in the Premier League for, for a couple of games. Yeah. Um, it was a brilliant piece of play by Son, obviously, who's back from the Asian Cup to set up the final goal for... Um, Brennan Johnson. Yes. 
uh, a really good win for Tottenham. So at least they're they're managing to. Well, I mean, it was looking like a bad result for old ETH, but of course, all he can do. And he now says we we're we can beat anyone. That well, except for Man City. That hasn't been up for debate, uh, Eric. <laughs> it's the we could lose to literally anyone. That's the real problem. <laughs> well, we'll see. What else? Um, well, uh, I suppose there was there were, there were some big matches happening in Germany. We're going to talk a bit more about that one uh, with Archie, uh, but also in Spain, uh, Real Madrid playing Girona. Girona have been having a great season, uh, but Real Madrid absolutely destroyed them. Um, Jude Bellingham scoring a Thierry Henry goal. You know, did you, have you seen the goal that he scored? It was, I mean, he scored two actually, but one of them was kind of a tap in from a rebound. Second one was a, or the first one, Madrid's second in the game was just incredible. Um, just the range of abilities that he has. I mean, we've seen him score all kinds of, you know, like power headers, shots from outside the box. Uh, loves it. He, he um, and Harry Kane are right up the top of that table, by the way, for the top five leagues. You know, the, um, the one that Joao Pedro and DCL is the bottom player, Calvert Lewin, in the top five leagues by this measure. But Bellingham is, is right up there, and we scores these types of goals. You can see why. This was like a, a run from 50 yards back, powers away from the defense, rounds the goalkeeper, finishes it off with the left foot on the run. Just watching it here, yeah. Beautiful. Oh, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, I'm Real Madrid have, have taken control of the Spanish league, and the Girona manager, Michel, afterwards saying, look, you know, we can't. I mean, he's been saying it all season. Yeah. If, they, if they've been in and around it all season, they've been top a few times, and he keeps saying, we can't compete with Real Madrid. We can't, we can't. I mean, come on. And and when you see, and Vinicius scored an absolutely ridiculous... Well, funny, people would be saying the same thing about Bayer never accusing Ken, but they yeah. might be sometimes accusing this this time around. Yeah, no, it, I, it looks like it's it's really going to happen. Um, I mean, the, the league in, in Spain looks in a bad way at the moment. Uh, but Barcelona at the, at the same time were drawing 3-0 with Granada so the question really is are they going to let Xabi, uh, Xabi go to the end of the season or are they going to just sack him before then um, I read in the Athletic news of Laporta's angry reaction this is the president Juan Laporta uh, when Granada and Barcelona Granada are in 19th position in the table drew 3-0 um, with Barcelona, so they're ten points off Real Madrid, who are who are who they're clearly not going to catch. News of Laporta's angry reaction was broken by local station Catalonia Radio minutes after the final whistle, with their report detailing that he threw a tray full of canapes while shouting insults and complaints. This uh, <laughs> insults and complaints. This uh, Laporta doesn't like to waste too many trays of canapes either. Um, he must have been absolutely fuming uh, when you see this. Um, but it's it, it seems like it's only going to get worse. I mean, with, with Madrid, um, they've already done a deal to bring in Endrick, who, you know, everyone is saying, oh, maybe this guy is going to be the new Neymar. Mbappe, maybe, is going to join them, probably is going to join them uh, in the summer. And then you look at Barcelona, and all they're talking about is which of their players they're going to have to sell. Yeah. And it's only the good players who anyone wants to buy. Um yeah, I mean, it just it just sort of feels as though I don't know. There could be quite a few Real Madrid titles coming up over the next uh, over the next few years. That's obviously been the situation in Germany uh, on since twenty twelve. Uh, maybe it's going to change this year. Um, it was a great performance by Leverkusen. I did see somebody saying <laughs> Harry Kane could move to Celtic. At- at the very end of his career to finally pick up the trophy and then St. Mirren would end up winning the league. Uh, I know. And I, and I mean, it's, 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 
it's a horribly obvious thing to say, but I mean, that's just, that's why everyone's saying it, Owen. It's, uh, <laughs> I also see people saying, have you seen the goal, the top goal scorer uh, trophy that you win in Germany? No. You haven't seen it? No. Uh, they call the, the top scorer the Torjäger Kanuna. Uh, do you want to see the trophy? Yes. Uh, let me just produce a little picture of this trophy for you. This should work well for. Here's uh, oh, on our audio. Here's Robert what? Lewandowski uh, holding. It's for cannon, is it? Yeah, I mean, what do you know? What do you think when you see that? Who do you think of a particular football club or Arsenal? Looks it's like a, it's basically an Arsenal logo. They yeah. give you an Arsenal. They give you a, 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 a sculpture of an Arsenal. Which logo. Which you can never put in your house uh, to celebrate uh, winning the top scorer. Which Hurricane is surely going to win, but maybe it's not going to be uh, not going to be enough. I was reading an old interview with Alonso uh, by um, Diego Torres, mm, of course, um, talking about how he stays. He he gets up sometimes at two in the morning to start preparing his stuff before training. That's because he's so excited to get out in the training field. He probably goes to bed at eight or something. He probably goes to bed early, isn't he? But he gets up sometimes at two. There are beautiful and good players. The beautiful players do beautiful things, but they're not efficient. Why is Messi good? Because he knows how to make the simple pass. Give it to one in the best position. That's being good, not always doing the most brilliant thing. Florian Wirtz does this. That is why he is so good. The question was about Florian Wirtz, the 20-year-old who's... Uh, um, exciting everyone with his performances uh, in attacking midfield for Leverkusen talked about but the interesting thing for in, the, in this interview is just the the well what I felt was the way um, Alonso talks about the game or the way he thinks about uh, the way he's trying to get his players to see it you have to enter the game thinking that the field is a map you have to control the areas. You have to know how many players there are on the left and on the right. If there are seven on one side, there are three in the goalkeeper on the other side. The, superior has, the superiority has to be there. If there's only one opposing forward, I have to look forward. If there are two, I have to help my centre-backs more. Uh, you're counting all the time to know what next step to take. So basically, he's just looking around going, mm, four there, three there, two here. Mm. And this is how this is basically what he's thinking all the time in the field. Um, the best midfield players always seem to have an extra second with the ball. They've anticipated their position and their control for the next phase. Those who always have time to play the ball uh, better are the best. They send the ball with the message, I'll give it to you for the next thing. I'll give it to you uh, to that foot so you can control in this direction. Um, the, the thing that he's done, which is unusual, is... Um, Unlike Xavi, for example, at Barcelona, unlike, obviously, his former teammate, Gerard, um, unlike quite a few players uh, who have become coaches, uh, the players seem to kind of get a little bit of what he's talking to them about. Maybe part of that is, uh, I mean, I saw Granit Xhaka talking about it. I think it was Marcus Fjortov, you know, Janaga Fjortov's son, did some sort of interviews with Xhaka. Xhaka was talking about um, the differences between uh, Mikel Arteta, who obviously he's been playing with for a few years, and Alonso, who who is like Arteta's friend since childhood, mm-hmm. and the differences between them and their way of looking at the game. Uh, he said basically the difference is uh, Arteta has is always kind of playing the same way, or has like his uh, his model of how the team should play is is the same. You've got a back four, you've got one defensive midfielder and two 
one six and two eights, mm-hmm. the, a triangle like that, one sitting back and two uh, further forward. And that's the way that he sees and that's the way that his teams are always going to be. Whereas Alonso, sometimes back three, sometimes back four, but always two sixes, which is what he's doing for uh, Leverkusen. He's one of these two um, the central midfielders. The double pivot. Yeah, who are, whose job is to basically control the game. And this is like the this is the basic unit of Alonso's team, and whatever else you know. Sometimes you can change the shape of the things around it, but you'll always have these two players who are working together. So that was how he kind of summed it up. Um, maybe it's just he was the right player to sign, you know. And I'm, I'm giving Alonso credit for like, oh, you know, you're kind of able to make the players understand your vision of the game. I mean, he talks about in in the. Real Sociedad youth team where he managed, he would play in the games to show them. He'd say, okay, this is what we're going to do. And then at some point would put himself on and say, watch, you know, this is, <laughs> let me show you what yeah, I mean. We'll hear more, more from Archie about this section. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, um, he's, he's going great, Owen. He really is. It's great stuff altogether. It's a great audition for the Liverpool job. I'm sure it's the way Bar Leverkusen fans want to think about it. <laughs> Have that frame. Well, yes. they really, they, they should be absolutely, I mean, if they haven't already done a deal with him, they need to go and beg him, I would say at this point. Beg the man. Because if they don't take him, Bayern Munich certainly will. Or Real Madrid. Uh, Real Madrid just signed Ancelotti to a new contract. Doesn't matter. It's Real Madrid. Ancelotti's about to win the league. Does not matter. It's Real Madrid. I think they've got a little window there uh, as a result of Carlo Ancelotti, who everybody loves. Leading Real Madrid triumphantly to another title. What if uh, Xabi Alonso said? contract in his hand. Yeah. What if Xabi Alonso said, "Yeah, but I need to take it now." Uh, the fact of the matter is, Leverkusen are never going to win the league. Uh, my stock is literally never higher than it is right now. You have to say, you have to go into Jurgen Klopp tomorrow morning and say, "Jurgen, thank you for your service." I don't think he'll. I don't think he would say that. I but if he did, uh, well, would you take would you take Xabi Alonso? I, I think if you were the Liverpool chief executive, I just think that would be a weird development that would kind of throw everything out of kilter. People would be like, "I don't understand how." In answer to your ridiculous wait, hypothetical wait, question, if I would say no, I will not take that deal. I'm sorry because absolutely. Why am I engaging with this in a series? Let's say you're going to win the league anyway. Let's go for the rest of the season. It will piss off the Liverpool fans because you've kicked out their beloved Jurgen Klopp, Listen. and they, they they very much like and admire and respect Javi Alonso. Do they love him? In the way they love Jurgen Klopp, not yet, Murph, and I don't think they will if he comes in sorry. mid-season and sorry. boots Klopp out. Sorry, of to upset you. <laughs> sorry to upset your cozy little cartel here. Okay, apologies for uh, injecting a little bit of you know stupidity the, into the outside the box yes. thinking. Stupidity. You all gotten very comfortable in here. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Sorry. 
So it turns out that Lampard actually does, he genuinely does feel that sorry for himself. To send him out into the Premier League, expecting him to get results with this squad, with this group of players. Like, he looks, the fact is, he looks at that squad, and in his head, all he can hear is, This is his exquisite self-pity. Timo Werner, like, Timo Werner. Imagine... That's one for the players. Players have to take the responsibility because the, the, the message was clear. Did he bring the players in? Did he bring the Germans in? And then Jody Morris is like, boss, boss, you know, what, what, what are we going to do? He's like, oh, he, you know, he breaks out of this dreaming. But like, can you believe that they're, what they're doing to Lampard? Bayer Leverkusen, they might just do this, you know, five points clear now after demolishing Bayern Munich at the weekend. Archie Rintut, thanks so much for chatting to us. No problem. A couple of different things to talk about here. The problems at Bayern... And also the unbelievable job that Jabby Alonso and everyone else is doing at Bayern Leverkusen at the moment. We know how this sort of match is supposed to go. This is when Bayern start to put the foot down and, you know, enough of the messing here. But we all know who's going to win the league. And it didn't happen that way at all. Why not? Because Leverkusen is so good. And I can't believe I'm saying that. The, the fact that if you look at the two, when the two lineups came out on Saturday yeah. and I was there and was with uh, Thomas Hitzelsberger um, for for TV. And we were both surprised at the gambles that both Xabi Alonso and Thomas Tuchel had made. And the gamble for Xabi Alonso was going with a front three that he'd not played with so far this season in Nathan Teller, um, signed from Southampton last season, I think it was, uh, or Burnley even, you had Amin Adli up front who came on during the week and scored against Stuttgart in the Cup. And you had Florian Wirtz, who, of course, is the next world conqueror. Um, but still, that seemed like a risk. And not having somebody as quick as Frimpong on the right-hand side, or indeed Teller, where they've had such joy this season, you were thinking, has has Chabi Alonso pepped this? But no, it was Thomas Tuchel who had pepped it. Because... He, his, his Bayern team have struggled to find any identity under him, I would say. And the fact that he decided to mirror Leverkusen's system in, in this way tells you how good Leverkusen are and how little Thomas Tuchel trusts his players. The fact is with Leverkusen, just the style of football that they're playing and it's, it's I think, being regarded as... Some of the best football, if not the best, that's been played in Germany since Pep Guardiola was at Bayern. It's it's outstanding. And whilst you didn't see it at its free-flowing, um, most expansive best at the weekend, you saw it at what it needed to be for this game. And I can't remember the... I can't remember a Bayern Munich chance across 90 minutes, like a, a proper Bayern Munich chance. And that alone tells you how well Leverkusen played. Yeah, I think there was some, uh, I saw some statistic that apparently Kicker Magazine 
you know, record goal scoring chances or they have, you know, mm. some, and this was the only the second time in 35 years that there wasn't a single one for Bayern um, in the time that they've been uh, looking at this. So, okay, we're going to, we're going to get to Leverkusen and Alonso and, and what they're doing mm-hmm. so well, but, you know, let's talk about this barn mess. <laughs> uh, I saw this uh, interview by Thomas Muller afterwards seemed to make uh, quite a splash where he was, it was sort of a wild-eyed rant. I don't know if he was just trying to make himself heard over over a fairly loud stadium, but he, but he was absolutely ranting and raving into the uh, into the camera. Um, what uh, What can you tell us about that? I've never seen him like that before. And Thomas Muller is often the guy who comes out, particularly to German TV, and tells you the lay of the land. In fact, if you want to know generally how Bayern fans feel about a game, then Thomas Muller is the best barometer of that. So his his interview itself was was fascinating to me because of because of his anger and because of just how he how he just went off but not a a lot of the time this season in Germany we've heard players through the lines criticizing their coach but he was very much going after the rest of the squad here and the the thing that really interests me is actually a word he used um sotten which is in in football sense it, it literally just means to play but sotten is it's it's the verb you use if you're if you're um, playing um, if you're playing uh, on a PlayStation on a on a console, and in football terms it means having this kind of light, fluid quality and just knocking the ball about with a certain ease, and and it showed to me how Thomas Muller has this, he has that ability. He knows that he doesn't need the three million instructions from a coach like Tuchel or Nagelsmann because he's learned it through his career, particularly at early stages when Borussia Dortmund were pushing them uh, back in the early 2010s. And the difference is now is you have other players in the squad who have not had that same learning curve because they've not had to, because there's not been any team who's really pushed them in the same way. And, I look at the status, the likes of, even though he's not played much this season, Serge Nabry has in the squad, uh, Joshua Kimmich, Leon Goretzka, Leroy Sane. And the fact is they are not as good as their predecessors. They are very good Champions League players, but are they at the same level in terms of calibre and status as your Iron Robins, Frank Ribéry's, Bastian Schweinsteiger's, Philipp Lahm's? And the answer is no. And this inability to have this freedom to play with, because the, the, a constant theme throughout the season we've been hearing is Thomas Tuchel saying, we're so good in training. And everyone thinks, yeah, okay, right. But the fact that Thomas Muller said the same thing now kind of backs it up. And it, it shows you that whilst Tuchel definitely played his role in the downfall here, it's also a lot on how this squad has been built and how players have a status that they are not really earning. I mean, uh, you, you say that he, you know, okay, there have been examples of, of players maybe um, uh, obviously criticizing the coach, but it seemed to me, like he was asked in the interview, uh, oh, he, he was sort of actually in midstream uh, talking about how we don't have balls and we don't have this, we don't have that. And and 
the interviewer said, oh, is this because of the coach? <laughs> and Miller kind of seems to shoot him a look <laughs> and then says, no, you know, it's all about the players. But, but like, the stuff that he was talking about, we don't play with freedom, you know, we don't, uh, we don't gamble, we don't try things. Um, well, we're great in training, but under pressure in the match, you know, we, we can't do it. You know, we're lacking attitude and, and we don't have the right mindset and mentality and all this they are the things that the coach is meant to bring. I mean, if a coach is doing well, then the team is is going to display those things. And if a team doesn't have any of those things, and especially when he says things like, "Oh, we play from A to B and we play from B to C," you know, you you know, you look at the, look at Leverkusen; they're not like that. I mean, that that does sound like a team that's kind of got too rigid a game plan. It does. It does seem to. Although he was saying, "No, it's not the coach's fault," it does actually seem to be pointing back at the coach. Sure, but that, that there was also a phrase he used in the interview, "verkopftheit," uh, which is literally like overthinkingness about the players. And I think whilst Kimmich didn't start this game, and Kimmich and Goretzka in the centre of midfield, by the way, have kind of been quietly humiliated, reprimanded in the way that they've been used by Thomas Tuchel and how his actions and his actions with them have not matched up to the words of his respect for them in, in press conferences and that. I think that a problem of, of the team is that there are so many players in it who have shone not too long ago under different coaches with different ideas. And that because Bayern have won so often before, they're probably wondering, well, why do we need to change that system with this new coach again? And when you've got players such as, I mean, he was out on Saturday, but Alfonso Davies, for example, who shone mostly under Hansi Flick and has not reached the same heights. Jamal Musiala, who has not been the same since Julian Nagsman left or even really since the World Cup um, in Qatar. Uh, same with Kimish and Goretzka with Flick. I think when you have so many players who have their own progress has been better under other coaches and then another new one comes in, I it, it was... It was very obvious that Kimmich and Goretzka in particular were not happy with the decision to sack Nagelsmann. They were very much on board with him. So even someone like Upamecano, who has made steps now underneath, um, under Tuchel, before I think that the fact that Nagelsmann left at the end of the last season or midway through the last season destroyed his game towards the end. And I think it's just this mixture of so many different ideas and... Thomas Muller has the clarity because he has that experience in his career, but these players don't. Mm, but why is it, do you think, that this sort of thing really hasn't worked out? I mean, I, if you look at what Bayern are, are doing, they're actually better this season than last season. I mean, they're 50 points at the same point last season. I think they had 41. So that's like, you know, a considerable improvement. Everyone seems to hate what they're doing, though. <laughs> you know, like the, the football isn't good. They're getting away with it because Harry Kane is scoring a lot of goals. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tuchel's being criticised by people. He, he seems to be, he's, as you mentioned with Goretzka and Kimmy, he seems not to rate some of the big players. Muller's been on the bench a lot. Um, you know, there have been signings, like the Dyer signing was a bit strange. You know, it, it seems as though I was really convinced by him. And I'm a bit surprised by that because I think that, that Tuchel, um, in, his, in all his previous jobs, okay, he... he there were obviously fallings out with the hierarchy have been a, have been a feature of his you know of his career but generally his teams have performed well you know i mean he he has been able to get good performances out of his teams in in Dortmund and Paris and uh 
and at Chelsea, and it just seems as though it hasn't worked at Bayern somehow. What what's the what's the reason for that? These players need to be having fun, and is Thomas Tuchel the guy to enable that? I think that that's partly the issue is that they look that the players look so bored by things because they've won the league eleven years in a row, and because that they won the title in name on the final day of last season, but effectively Dortmund lost it. And I think that enabled more, um, yeah, uh, more security in, um, in, in what they've been doing. And Tuchel has the sure you like up to the weekend, they've been playing the, the sixth best season in Bundesliga history. Uh, to further your point. But the problem is, having been in the stadium for so many of these games, when when the current president of Bayern Munich is coming out and labelling them as boring in a recent defeat to Werder Bremen, that tells you that they just seem so laboured in the way they go about their business. And the the most innovative side of them has been their set pieces. But when you're Bayern Munich and you have that squad and it's not all knitting together, then then you've got problems. Yeah. And it's particularly with with Tuchel, you you can see that he, he wants the fluidity every time he I've spoken to him in interviews. It's talking about fluidity and energy, but that is not translating onto the pitch. And whether that's because not enough of the players are on board with him or or able to just get their own heads right, I think it's it's partly it's partly down to Tuchel and needing to simplify things. But the fact that Tuchel's trust in the players is low. I think back to a game against Stuttgart in the first half of the season. Stuttgart, who, along with Bayer Leverkusen, are playing the best football in the league this season on a budget which is 10 times smaller than Bayern Munich's. Thomas Tuchel basically put his whole game around neutralising Stuttgart coming to the Allianz Arena, which is bizarre when you think of the lineup that he had at his disposal, even with the injuries that they've had this season. And when that's the case, and they won that game 3-0, but in the back of my mind, that stuck because I was like, surely as Bayern Munich, you have to have your identity that, no, they're coming to our house. We're going to nail them out the park regardless because we are Bayern Munich. And that has been lost for sure, this identity of who Bayern are. And... You can re- and it, you've steadily felt more and more that the mood has been um, shifting this season. Yeah, interesting. The set piece ingenuity is a nod to Anthony Barry there, who we know from his brief time in the Irish coaching <laughs> setup. But I want to ask you about Bayer Leverkusen because they are having fun. Nobody is bored there. They're now the only unbeaten team left in the top five leagues, Archie. Unbeaten in 31 games in all competitions. 27 wins, four draws. This is ludicrous stuff. That would be impressive by Bayern Munich standards, let alone Bayer Leverkusen. So right. how has Xabi Alonso done this? So the the most interesting thing for me about what they do is that is working out that plan B is plan A at a slightly different tempo. And he just wants his players to wait for that right moment when, when it should come. And actually speaking to him in interviews after games, I sometimes when I when I say a question, I, I can see him kind of wince and be like, "No, you're you're talking absolute rubbish there. What are you on about?" But when I when I said to him, "Is it around that kind of area?" He was like, "That's exactly what he wants his players to get." And the 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 real 
the real, I think, win that they've made this season is sure being able to play this football, but the signings that they made in the summer enabling this kind of football is huge because they knocked each and every signing out the park when it comes to Granite Xhaka in the central mid in the center of midfield and how he organizes the team, how he's the extended arm of Xabi Alonso on the pitch. You look at Alejandro Grimaldo, who has just a swoon-worthy left foot that I think it's up there with David Alaba and Ian Robin in terms of the best I've seen in the league. I would name Leroy Sane, but if Leroy Sane was consistent, then maybe we could consider him in those in those terms. Uh, Jonas Hoffman as well. He didn't start on Saturday, but he's been an excellent signing. And Victor Boniface, who's been out injured. So the mixture of the signings, the the football that they play and how they stick to their identity no matter what, but also Alonso. I, I, I was thinking of the coaches in world football that can still do it on the pitch and it's probably Zidane, but apart from that, Alonso is perfect for transforming this group of players, some of which like Jonathan Tarr, who... You look. It looked like they'd maxed out their potential. Tar, you may not know this, released a, a documentary a few years ago, which uh, which was entitled uh, "Jonathan Tar: The Next Virgil Van Dyke." Oh now, wow! Yeah, it, it, <laughs> I, I watched an episode and thought this is something. But since Alonso's come, I the 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 words have actually turned into actions with Tar, and seeing Tar's reaction was, was asked him about. Um, what it's like to work with Alonso. And his eyes just widened and was like, well, when he shows you how to do it on the pitch still, then that commands a certain amount of respect. And I think footballers are quite simple in that regard, in that if you show them something that is very impressive like that and, you, and you're the manager, because so often I think they're used to hearing from so many coaches who are telling them to do this and that, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you can impress them on that level and be like, no, no, I can do this. You're so, a lot fitter so and younger So many than me. managers get that so wrong, though, Archie. You know, from uh, Roy Keane showing his goalkeeper Sunderland how to save a, a free kick to Glenn, Glenn Hoddle telling David Beckham how to hit a free kick. You know, this kind of Rafa stuff Rafa telling Luka Modric not to play the ball with the yeah. outside of his foot. Now, Rafa <laughs> might be a different example because <laughs> I, I think Luka Modric might be thinking, I know a bit more about football, uh, how to play it, than you do, Rafa. But in terms of those big-name managers, so many of them get it wrong. They actually, they don't have the whether it's the personality trait required to actually relay that information without pissing off the player. But it seems like Alonso is able to do all that. That's that's the final, and I guess, as you say, most important element. It is this Gipuscoan uh, mentality and upbringing, uh, upbringing that Alonso had, along with, um, Sid Lowe wrote about this, um, along with uh, Unai Emery, and Mikel Arteta as well. He does have this humility and the way that he goes about his business in the press, it, it has infected the players as well that he's like, he said, he said on Saturday to us that if, uh, if anybody thinks that we've achieved anything, then they're not very intelligent. Mm-hmm. And actually having this ability to, to pull everybody down and, and say, look, we've achieved nothing yet. I can tell you that that was a mistake that Borussia Dortmund made last season in terms of the euphoria that you felt after every game. It helps that Leverkusen is a quieter environment to work in as well. But Xabi Alonso is very difficult to bring out of his lane 
when it comes to the way that he answers things. Like if if you even try and I, I've stopped asking about <laughs> about the title race because I just know I just know what the answer is every time. It's well, we're just thinking about the next game, and in the way that some coaches and managers we've seen, they look irritated by the press when they have to answer that question. Chabi Alonso just looks like he, I, I'm just getting on with things. And if, if you want to be irritated, that's fine, but I'm just doing my thing. And I think that, that he doesn't, he's just playing his own game on the media level as well. And he's, yeah, he's excellent. You have to say. So, I mean, earlier you used the word pepped, um, <laughs> From a yeah. context I worked at, that you meant you know pick a mad team that proceeds to lose the game, which is I thought harsh. Right. I thought harsh actually, considering Guardiola has has picked a lot of winning teams over the years. But you know he is the he's the he's been the gold standard. He has been the gold standard for for a long time. Are you? Uh, would you endorse the sentiment that this man, Xabi Alonso, is the new Pep with a, <laughs> a squarer jaw and superior social skills? But with the same, uh, the same type of uh, insight into the game and the same ability to uh, to create to, to show us things we've never seen before in the football field, would you go that far? Firstly, I think it's a bit rich given given the, the criticisms I've heard from you on on Pep before to be uh, to be leveling that at me. Uh, secondly, nicely done, Eddie. Secondly, I think the the thing about about Chavi is that he is. He's still he's still learning, and he's still not afraid to say that. Um, I think that he's got he's got the potential to go there, but it's still about those next steps that that he takes. And I obviously dealing with Leverkusen, as I said, from an environment point of view, is a good place to learn. And I think that compared to ex players who we have seen. Uh, I'm happy to name uh, Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard and Wayne Rooney. And, and you see the way that Wayne Rooney less so, I would say, but the way that they want to accelerate their career before having really learnt those those hard yards. Well, maybe they're just not as bright as Xabi Alonso as well. I think I think that that is here the case. And I don't know if he'll be the next pep, but I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a great, a great coach and I don't I'm also because I've listened enough to Jonathan Wilson over the years I don't know how how much is new that that we're actually seeing but it it is it is incredible to see how he has made a Leverkusen team and club who have always been stuck with this reputation of falling short never Kuzan uh always choking and there just is a completely different belief and way of doing things right now. Sure, we have to overcome European hurdles. I wouldn't be surprised if they meet Liverpool for the sake of narrative at some point in the Europa League this season. But yeah, uh, he he is he is going to be a great manager. I'm sure of that much. Oh yeah, Liverpool fans are watching this with interest. Archie, thanks a million. Cheers, thanks guys. The trainer pitches all scrapes. Somebody's got to somebody's got to hold a hand up and say it's like training on a car path. No, 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 no regrets about it, no. As soon as you ask me a question, I'm going to give you an answer. Who, John Delaney? He could have found me, of course he could have. Try my hotel room. <laughs> yeah, you can laugh. I was the World Cup. As an ex-player, and as an Irishman, and I mean an Irishman, uh, born and reared here, 
And I, I felt I was entitled to give my opinion. Swinging in the backyard, pull up in your fast car, whistling my name. Which phone is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Open up a beer and you say get over here and play a video game. Why did you turn it off? I see you. Put on silence. You just gonna let it ring? All right, it's good manners. If that was my team, I'd go into the dressing room and I wouldn't even mention handball. I'd just say, why didn't someone put their head in it? France would definitely take it, and Ireland never grabbed it. Usual, usual stuff. Afraid of that next step. Mentally not strong enough. But they can complain all they want, and all these players, they can complain all they want. It's not going to change. France are going to the World Cup. Get over it. You sounded disappointed earlier, Ken, with Evan Ferguson not getting much game time at the weekend. Mm. So I am pleased to finish on a high by reporting the Irish involvement in the Liverpool versus Burnley fixture. Oh, yeah. Darrow Shea making his oh. 16th Premier League start in the row. The fifth fastest player in the Premier League, of course, as discovered last week. And what a goal. First ever goal in the Premier League. A bullet header. Oh, it was a brilliant goal. Yeah. Past Queeveen Kelleher, making his third Premier League start of the season in place of the ill the stricken Allison mm-hmm. was a flu bull going around Liverpool camp nothing that Keller couldn't do anything about that goal and did make a couple of really one really good save in the first half and another crucial save which should have actually been just knocked past him in the second so a positive uh, feather in the cap there for Quiven Keller not quite a clean sheet but if you're going to get concede to anyone it might as well be an international teammate in Dallas and all, all done of course in front of the Premier Sports TV cameras yeah I must say, Damien and, and Kenny were somewhat dubious about the Darrow Shea fifth fastest in the Premier League stat. What, they just didn't believe it? They were surprised. Damien, Damien noted in jest, in jest, that there is a quite a significant... Well, this part isn't in jest. Apparently there's a real slope in Turf Moor. Like when you're playing there, you notice that <laughs> it's, like, it's like one way down. He was actually rolling. He wasn't yeah, so, rolling at all. He feels Burn- maybe he was going down the hill. Burnley have other players. You know, everyone gets to play Burnley exactly. at some stage. So, you know, everyone gets to benefit from that, from that slope at some Unbelievable. point. Unbelievable. You know? Why is it Darrow Why are they written on Darrow Shea's parade? Because their centre halves not as, obviously weren't as fast as... It's jealousy, my Envy. Former player Envy. I you know? feel like... They never clocked that kind of... Run like the wind there. Cunny wouldn't do it on his bike. Thanks, Murph. <laughs> thank you, Thanks, Owen, Ken. and thank you, Ken. Thank you, Kira, and thank you, Owen. We'll see you during the week for Champions League coverage and more, but only if you're a World Service member. All episodes will be ad-free if you sign up. The Second Campus Podcast is part of the AGAX Radio Network. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sport's important.